0: track at the wall.
1: Showtell Connection Podcast Network listeners, this is JT and welcome to another episode of WWE War Wrestling Above Replacement. Joining me as always on this series is my friend Marcus. Marcus, how are you?
0: Doing good, JT. Happy to be joining you and uh, talking out, possibly processing what went right and what went wrong uh, in the aftermath of the summer of punk as we dip into the fall and winter months.
1: Yes, the misuse of punk to follow the summer of punk. And if you're new to the show here, why, but it's okay if you just found us and you haven't gone back and listened yet, I'll give you a quick overview of what we're doing. We are taking a sabermetric style look at WWF pay-per-view history based on a series of categories and a plus minus system. We're also doing it based on seasons, not pay-per-view years, right, Marcus? So a season to us starts with the first pay-per-view after WrestleMania in any given year and then goes up to WrestleMania the following year, which is what we really view as the WWE uh, season itself. Because that's usually when they kind of re- reboot some stuff and build the big build toward the end of the year heading into Mania kind of feels like the natural end of a of a build of a session of a season. So that's how we look at this. And again, on our first episode, we give a real deep dive into why uh, we landed on that point. But uh, Marcus, you want to give a quick list of the categories that we use to score these shows?
0: Uh, yes, I do. Uh, once I find it again in my tabs.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: how do I navigate this?
1: Oh, man, I'm used to chat in these spreadsheets. I'm you know, just flips them.
0: There I we go. All right. Uh, our categories. Here we go. We've got build, commentary, atmosphere, notable moments and importance, match grades, card structure, rewatchability, all-time matches, which is anything that JT and I agree is four and a quarter stars or above. And then after all that, we total everything up to get our final score.
1: And also we do a negative on the all-time matches as well. So if it's anything you and I had as three quarters of a star and below, uh, both of us, that would be a minus all-time match. So for each of those categories that Marcus just listed, we do uh, the good go in the positives, the bad go in and the, and the minus. We net all that out like he said, Marcus, to give us the final score. So far, we've done the 94-95 season, and we are about halfway through the 11-12 season. Here are our current standings. Uh, at the very bottom of the list is Over the Limit, 2011 with a negative 9 total score.
0: Followed up by Knight of Champions. With a negative negative With a negative 3.
1: WrestleMania 11 with a negative 0.75. Royal
0: Rumble 1995 with a 5.5. 5.
1: King of the Ring, 94, with a 6.5.
0: Survivor Series, 1994, with
1: a 7.75. Extreme Rules, 2011, 8.75.
0: SummerSlam, 1994, with a total score of 9.
1: Capital Punishment, 2011, with
0: a 13.75. SummerSlam, 2011, with a total score of 23.
1: And our number one show in that rarefied air right now, Money in the Bank, 2011. Twenty eight point seven five. So as we've gone through this, we've really seen kind of the bar set. Right. We knew Money in the Bank would be one of the top shows we broke down. And uh, so I, I'm guessing that upper 20s will be like the rarefied air shows that, you know, the all time greats really end up in. And then we'll see how things kind of go down from there. Uh, you know, and one thing we've been interested that we talk about, too, is like what's going to be our baseline, you know, like. In the world of baseball, a zero would be like a replacement level, right? Do we feel that that's going to hold up and be our replacement level pay-per-view score as well? Will it be a zero? Will will we get a bunch of negatives to help balance out? Right now, I think our replacement level is more around like five-ish, probably, Mm, um, given where like Rumble 95 is and Kinmering 94. So that feels more like the midpoint, like five-six. I'm curious as we go, though, if it'll taper down and become more like the zero to two or so.
0: Right. And I look at a show like Capital Punishment 2011, which I think a lot of people new to the show might Mm -hmm. or who didn't catch that episode uh, might look at Capital Punishment 2011. Really? Um, But go back if you haven't and listen to it. Um, And again, like that's a chance where a show like that has a lot of opportunity to move up in the rankings Mm -hmm. uh, due to a lot of those tangibles that we try to tabulate. And so I'm curious if a show like Capital Punishment, um, if that will like be above replacement level if that will become like the new replacement level um, as we get more shows in here
1: yeah yeah it'll be uh cool to see some of these other shows and that's that's one of the benefits of the system we put in place is uh crediting these shows that maybe don't have the best matches or maybe don't have the best storylines but have great matches so by giving up these categories pay-per-views that excel in certain areas and we're gonna see this by season too right like everyone knows the attitude ever lacks in depth of wrestling, you know, match grades, but excels when it comes to atmosphere and uh, storylines and moments. So like these things are all going to start to balance out a bit too. So I feel like it's a pretty good way. It's a holistic way to look at these shows.
0: Without question.
1: All right. So next up on our list here to get into uh, first tonight is Helen a Cell, 2011. And this of course follows not of champions, which is the last show that we talked about. And this was one I definitely did not remember much about going in. So I was pretty interested to check it out and to watch it. Took place on October 2nd, 2011 in New Orleans, Louisiana. And Marcus, well actually uh, commentators are Michael Cole, Jim Ross getting the call, and Booker T. Do you want to walk us through the show and we'll hit on our match grades to get things going?
0: Absolutely. Uh, We have to go with our dark match before we get officially started as Daniel Bryan defeated JTG. Mm. Uh, They went about eight minutes. Random as it gets. (laughs) Uh, Next up, uh, to start off the show proper, we have Sheamus defeating Christian. Uh, This match is an absolute burner. And I went three and three quarters, or I guess 3.75.
1: Yeah, I was a little bit lower, but I really enjoyed it as well. I went three and a quarter stars. Uh, This one definitely caught me off guard. I feel like it's one you really don't hear much about, but it was a really hot opener. The crowd was super into it. You know, we've been very high on Christian so far in the season. Obviously, it's been the whole Randy Orton feud so far, pretty much, for him, outside of his title win over Del Rio. So, this is him shuttling back down the card right now. Like, he's been a main event level guy, even though they never really closed a pay per view or a show. Um, Still, he was in the main world title feud with one of the top faces. But this is definitely him now moving back, and him and Sheamus feel like made the passing in the night a little bit. Yep. Sheamus working his way up the card, and this felt like a gatekeeper type match for Christian to put Sheamus over as he starts to inch toward perhaps being into the title picture year end or into 2012. And for Christian, it feels like okay, thanks, you had your run. Uh, now I'm not saying he's going the way of the honky tonk man, but like. <laughs> you know he's not going to be, like, in the world title picture terribly much probably from here, at least for a bit. So it feels like he'll probably get throttled down into that gatekeeper, like, upper mid card, could step into a title match if needed type guy.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. But that's also, the like, the good thing about guys like Christian when you do elevate those guys who seem to be stuck in the upper mid card. Like, mm-hmm. once you throw them into the main event and prove they can hang or even if they do win the world title, um, like, that – that kind of rub stays on them for a really long time. Uh, and so you can use that immediately against a guy like Seamus and, and use that to elevate. Um, and I think it works knowing that, uh, you know, where Seamus is going to end up as the season progresses. Uh, but next up, we have Sin versus Sin and that is Sin Azul versus Sin Negro. Negro. Um, I went two.
1: Yeah, I did two, and it was kind of disappointing. I, I mean, that would... Like all of Saqqara Azul was disappointing, I guess. Uh, I mean, when Mystico was signed, like it was a kind of a big deal, like obviously yeah. uh, really well regarded and, and legendary in Mexico. So when he came in, it was like, OK, here we go. And they had big plans for him to kind of fill the shoes of Rey Mysterio, right? Like to be like the next big masked lucha guy that they could connect with the Hispanic audience that Rey Mysterio had been doing for years. They had already brought in Del Rio. So it felt like kind of they were edging that way. And he just never clicked for whatever reason. So they bring in Sin Cara Negro to do this feud, um, and as we'll eventually talk about, he ends up taking on the uh, actual persona. <laughs> when Sin Cara Negro is uh, run out of here, he actually ends up sticking around, taking on the original Sin Cara's role, and ends up having a much better run with it. But I agree, this was this was pretty disappointing. Um, so I went two as well. And, and just to give a, a quick explanation how we do our match grade. So we take an average of Marcus and I score and then we round up to the nearest like quarter star. We consider a two and a half match grade to be replacement level. So however up or down that is from two and a half is what our point is. So for the opener, we average it up to three and a half. That's one point better than replacement levels. So I get to one uh, toward our total this one gets a negative half a star because it's rounds out to two which is obviously half from two and a half so
0: yeah i'll be curious to track sincara as well as we mm. go along uh, like you said he was uh, a big signing at the time one of the biggest reagents available and he's also one of the first triple h guys brought in uh once triple h starts getting a little bit of say uh behind the scenes with uh talent being brought in and i just kind of think that's a little bit of a, a timely topic here um this month, uh, you know, everything uh, with all the changes going going on and with uh, NXT and NXT 2.0, uh, 2.0 and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, I'll be curious to see uh, Sin Cara and then when the swap does happen with, uh, you know, H- unigo uh, mm-hmm. becoming Sin Cara. Uh, but next up for the tag team titles, we have Air Boom with Kofi Kingston and Evan Bond versus Dolph Ziggler and Jack Swagger with Vicky Guerrero. I went 2.75.
1: Yeah, I went 2.5. Again, I felt this was a little disappointing given all the talent involved. I really liked their Boom as a team. Uh, you know, we've, I think we'll see some pretty solid stuff for them as we move toward the end of the year. And, of course, Dolph is Dolph, and even Swagger can go, especially in a match like this where he can be the base for Bourne and Kingston. But it just felt like it never evolved beyond just, like, a standard basic tag team match and just kind of existed on this card when it's a card that really could have used like these guys to step up and maybe deliver a heater, uh, that you can look back at and say, okay, Seamus Christian was good. Uh, and here's another good match. We're really feeling it. Instead, this like really they didn't take advantage of the slot and it just kind of was replacement level.
0: Yeah, uh, it's exactly right. Um, good summary. I like to just a tick above replacement level, but, uh, it, it's hovering right around there. Um, and that's probably me just being a little bit higher on Ziggler during this run. Uh, he is really, really good, um, yeah. and we're continuing to see that as the season directs along. Air Boom, kind of one of those thrown together tag teams, but they fit really well. And this run has been surprisingly longer than I remember it being. So I'm I'm very surprised and 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 satisfied anytime we get to see an Air Boom tag match. They're a little bit of a throwback uh, for me to like a tag team from like the 80s or 90s. Uh they're just pure babyface fire and I absolutely love it. Uh but next up we continue with the title matches as our world heavyweight champion Mark Henry successfully defends inside the Hell in a Cell against Randy Orton. I like this a good bit. I went mm-hmm. three point five.
1: Yeah, I went three and a half as well. This this was a lot of fun. Uh and Mark Henry continues this this you know awesome run, won the world heavyweight title. Over Orton at United Champions. We love that match as well in the big moment where he won the belt. And it continues here. Like, these guys have great chemistry. This is such a wonderful Orton year. <laughs> like, he is just on fire here in 2011, delivering big time matches with the title the line. A good near fall. And then he finishes him clean again, just with the world's strongest slam. And then, uh, you know, tries to basically Pilmanize him at the end, but Orton escapes. So, yeah, this was a great match. I think it's. Henry's run here at 11 is, is something special, and we're seeing it play out. So these guys have wonderful chemistry. For the title change, you and I both went four. So this is a little bit you know behind that match in the United Champions, but still really damn good.
0: Yeah, really good considering like there is not that big moment of the title change mm-hmm. uh, to incorporate into the rating. But uh, we're, we've seen both guys unlock this year. Um, Henry just for, like really solid booking, I think, and presenting him as the monster that he is. Um, And just really protecting him and giving some teeth to that character and Orton, of course, the series with Christian I like the diversity in in opponents for Orton like he goes from one end of the spectrum with like, you know, wrestlers wrestler Christian uh, Straight up to like the unstoppable monster Mark Henry Um, And I like that Orton kind of doesn't get to settle into his title reign at all Um, You know, Henry upsets him before He really gets to have a long reign uh, following the win at SummerSlam Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking like Orton was going to get the title back here, but they kept true to Henry and I'm looking forward to see what's next for the world's strongest man. Um, And who else is going to be in the hall of pain Uh, next up for the intercontinental title, the newly debuted uh, white strapped intercontinental title. We have a bit of an impromptu match as Cody Rhodes successfully defends against John Morrison. I went 2.25.
1: Yeah, same. And I think it just continues this trend. I think one of the big words for this show right now is like under delivering on potential promise. So, yeah, it's cool that he introduces the new design for the belt. Looked awesome. It was a throwback. And then Johnny Ace interrupts, says that Rhodes will defend right now against Morrison. And just, again, wanted more. Like, here's a chance on a pay-per-view that is like has a glaring need for matches to fill it out. Like, we know we have the two stud matches with Orton Henry and Sheamus Christian and potentially, you know, a big main event to come. But, like, these undercard matches are what make these shows. And they're giving these guys time. Like, it's not like they're going out there and they get three minutes. I mean, like, this match got seven and a half. Like, that's fine. Even the tag got almost 11. Sinkara's both got 10. Like, they're giving time to, like, tell a bit of a story. And it just feels like... I I think it feels like a microcosm of one of my bigger overall issues with this group of people. Is like, everything feels like a generic... Just cookie cutter style match and yeah. they don't go outside that box when they do these guys all pop. Right. But like a lot of it is just the same style being worked by different guys that yep. all kind of feel the same. Yep. Um, and I, I just expect more from like Morrison here. I, I kind of pin this more in him.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the negatives we're seeing from the OVW slash FCW era trainees. Like, yeah, there's some stars that were produced, but when you get to like those mid card people, a lot of it's very cookie cutter. Um, you know, you can interchange a lot of these people, um, and yeah, like one of these matches, like I, I keep going back to like this tag match. Like one of these matches though should have cracked three stars, and and none of them do. Um, they did well though, like wrestling the match. Like it was impromptu, I thought, um, but it's just not good enough to like. Right. Why couldn't have this been an announced match ahead of time, and these guys could have actually. Went out there and had a burner. Um, but, well, speaking of burners, <laughs> for the Divas title, Kelly Kelly versus Beth Phoenix. Um, Beth Phoenix is going to uh, defeat Kelly Kelly here and win the, the Divas title. Uh, I went 1.25.
1: Same, which is a step back. So they fought last month. We both went 2. They fought at SummerSlam, which we really liked. Uh, we were you were at three, and I was at two seven five. So this is their third straight pay-per-view match, and it's like a it's a facepalm match because we our big one of our biggest complaints about United champions in Buffalo was that they didn't have Beth win the title in front of her home crowd. That was like horny for it, like they were ready to pop, and they don't do it. So you figure, okay, well Kelly's just gonna keep the belt and roll on, and then Beth beats her here like two weeks later or whatever it was into a much less reaction and a much worse match. Like it just made no sense. Like this has made no sense. So this this definitely hurts this show. I feel bad because like it should have been such a bigger moment for Beth and they just they had a chance to do it a couple weeks ago and I don't I don't know why they didn't.
0: Yeah I feel like I'm giving too much commentary on like then and now WWE as a lot of the same problems have persisted throughout the last decade. But I think this is another example of just like a lack of fan service where you're withholding right. things from people just to prove that like you have the power and to control or think that you're controlling their reactions like this would have stuck out so much more had this have gone down at night of champions where everybody wanted it you could still present beth phoenix as a heel the next night um but instead they do it here and we've seen diminishing returns with every single matchup uh this is bad i hope it ends soon Um, and it's unfortunate because I think Kelly Kelly's decent and I think Beth Phoenix is really, really good. And the booking is doing them no favors.
1: It's just tough to have Kelly be your top face, like to carry the division. Like, it's just a lot for her. Uh, you know, not saying she's underqualified, but it's just like not almost fair to put this all on her. Yeah. uh, And have to be in the position. Now she's working with heels that should be carrying her mostly like she had the match of Brie, which obviously was not the case, but you know, she's with Beth, and we'll see. You know next month they'll start to mix different people in, but it's just tough. Like Beth has done her best. It just feel like they went one too long on this. Yep. And they should have had Beth just cash in it in Buffalo when the crowd is really into
0: it. One too long might be a theme of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but in our main event of the evening for the WWE Championship, we have the first ever Triple Threat match uh, inside Hell in a Cell as John Cena, CM Punk, and Alberto Del Rio all square off. Del Rio is going to win the title from John Cena. Uh, I went three and a quarter on this.
1: Yeah, so this is one of our rare big discrepancies. I went four. I I really, really like this match. I thought it was a lot of fun uh, inside the cell. I I thought Del Rio has been, like, bubbling for months. And to see him, like, get to step up and have this match here. Because he felt like he got shuttled a bit down. Mm-hmm. from A, Orton and Christian, and then B, Cena and Punk, and it felt like he kind of got lost in the shuffle a bit. But since the cash-in climbing back up the ladder, uh, I just thought these guys really went all out, uh, and I liked the finish, too. I, I'm glad they put the belt back on Del Rio. It's not going to be a Punk. Like, I think it's good, because you can kind of do stuff with Punk and Cena without the belt being in the mix. You don't need it, necessarily. But Del Rio's really been hosed for most of this year, and I think he deserved to have the belt back. So, And then, of course, we get the big aftermath, where um R-Truth and Miz come in and basically lay waste to everyone inside the cage officials come out security comes out the New Orleans Police Department comes out like like everyone comes out and um Miz and R-Truth end up getting arrested and Triple H attacks them so it's a pretty wild post-match which I think helped add to some of the you know manic feel here too but even as a match I really thought this is this was quite good
0: yeah it, it was okay It it was good like I mean a tick better than okay for me But um, I don't know Something's just something's just missing um, Maybe it's I'm not as invested in Punk anymore Maybe it's Del Rio has been simmering For too long and they've waited too long To kind of pay off where he was at the start of the season And Cena's Just Cena during this time uh, yeah. Very consistent, you know what you're going to get um, I did like the decision to do the stuff after the match With uh, Miz and R-Truth Uh, because like, how do you move on from a Hell in a Cell? And I feel like you have to do like a pretty big angle and the way they delivered the angle felt like it. So I thought that was a good way to kind of move on from, um, you know, the Hell in a Cell match.
1: Yeah, no, me too. And it it was a wild post match. I mean, if you're going to heat those guys up as quick as they did, like that was definitely the way to do it for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. You want to get into our, uh, categories?
0: Absolutely. Let me scroll down here. So for Night of Champions 2011, let's start with build. Uh, would you like to take the plus or the minus?
1: I can do the the plus here. All right. Uh, so we had a few. We had Seamus Christian, which I thought had you know built up well into this match uh, leading in. So that was we gave a point there. We also gave a point for the Sinkara versus Sinkara feud, is even though the match was disappointing, they still did a pretty good job. Uh, prepping and getting ready for those two to face off at the pay-per-view. And then also Orton Henry coming off the last month and getting the rematch inside the cell felt pretty good. Um, you know, we didn't give a point for the main events, which I think we all, you and I both felt it, it felt kind of clunky and thrown together. Um, just kind of hear the top three guys, throw them in a match. And then, mm. Doing it inside a cell, which you'll get to in a second, always feels forced. Like, well, it's October. You must be ready for a Hell in a Cell match versus, you know, the gimmick feeling earned, right?
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Um, And, yeah, I mean, yeah, like as far as mine says, like the tepid tag team title build, um, just kind of a title match. Not really a strong build there. And like you just said, like the, the forced Hell in a Cell concept, it's that time of the month. Uh, I think this is the third annual Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Um, so we're get, definitely getting into that pattern of, okay, what's the what's the main event storyline? No matter where it's at, it's getting tossed in the cell. Right. Um, and I, you know, I think you could have just done a regular triple threat match with these guys, and it would have been the same. I don't think it benefited all that much from uh, being in the cell. No, the only um, thing is you
1: get the Miz and Truth attack yeah. in the cell. It means more inside the cage than it would have probably outside the cage because they could build the chaos of everyone trying to get inside so i guess it it plays out there if nothing else
0: yeah i'll agree with that
1: all right so that nets out to a one so we'll move along to commentary uh jr instead of king we gave a point for that alone which is an upgrade i'm not the biggest uh you know jr post 0809 guy but he's a big upgrade of a law at this point so we were happy to hear him uh, I thought they did a good job explaining Sinkara's background and the feud. JR also says his, his high school girlfriend was nicknamed the Big Easy, uh, which was funny. <laughs> so give a point for that. Uh, I don't mind Cole as a the conspiracy theorist. Like it's better than him just being a prick for the sake of being a prick, which is what mm-hmm. he's been for most of the season. So kind of him questioning everything Triple H is doing and, and the company's doing, I thought worked fine. It would actually probably speak better today than then, to be honest. Uh, Cole was on fire during Cody's match just destroying triple h and his treatment of cody as IC champ and all that so a decent little night for the commentary i think not having king definitely helped uh for sure and then it was it was more focused than it has been and again the further we move away from cole and king feuding has also helped too
0: yeah and i'd like whenever they can actually tap into michael cole's background being mm-hmm. a little legit journalist and, and war correspondent like um being able to kind of use the conspiracy theorist stuff and have him go down that avenue I thought was like a much better use of him and allowed like for him to really sink his teeth into what he was doing what he was talking about and like deliver it in a more believable way than I think anybody else could at the time um and also talking about like Triple H and his mistreatment of Cody Rhodes like I thought that was really good again like I got like a kind of like an almost like a John Stossel like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like getting slapped by Dr. D like that kind of vibe of him being like that swarmy kind of journalist um where like you know he's right but you, you kind of want to smack him in the face for it just right. with his delivery um i thought that was a really good use of Cole but the minus is for commentary uh we have JR And his curious use of uh, body english when he's talking about reading <laughs> Sinkara yes. um it is something that he carries over to his podcast uh he says body English a lot. And uh, me and uh, Tim Taylor, not the tool man, actually had to um, look up what is body English. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, JR says that a lot. Uh, we've got uh, Cole taking a big old dump all over Air Boom and Harlem Heat as mm-hmm. team names, didn't do them any favors. Uh, a lot of rambling from Booker T, trying to keep up with Cole. And Booker and Cole starting to bicker a lot. And it gets me to too much, um, especially when like, Booker T is still, as we'll see, like in ring shape.. Right. Um, so like, why exactly is Michael Cole trying to pick a fight with Booker T? Um, which I wouldn't do with like any version of Booker T. But Booker T can still go at this time. So it doesn't make sense why Mike Michael Cole is like trying to pick a fight
1: no. and it's it's like we' just we're so tired of the King and Cole fighting. Like why do we need to go back? And I know it it, it seems hypocritical because we all lust and and romanticize jesse and vince and gorilla and bobby who are very antagonistic um but this just feels like it's not earned you know it feels forced it feels fake which is a problem for much of modern day dirty but um gorilla and bobby felt natural like and it felt like them mm-hmm. being themselves and same with vince and jesse like cole's like trying to be a extremely homeless man as jesse ventura right with the conspiracy stuff and the anger and the- <laughs> <laughs> like all this. Right. And it's like Booker can't really go back at him. It's just I don't know. The whole thing is just weird. Uh, it, like, it's just it's taking what is it or even if you look at like Cole and JBL who had that kind of relationship, but it, it was much more natural and Cole and Taz where yeah. you can do the busting balls. You could do the bickering a little bit. But at the end of the day, they're both like credible and it just doesn't feel that way right now with these guys.
0: Yeah, you definitely need, like, that rapport and that natural relationship and chemistry. And I just don't think Cole and Booker had it. And I don't know if anybody's really going to have it for Booker um, outside of Kevin Nash and TNA. Right. But uh, what do we got for Atmosphere?
1: All right, so uh, commentary nets out to a one as well. Atmosphere, a really cool set, and the lighting looked kind of nice for this show. Yeah. A lot of good chaos when Awesome Truth, uh, early in the show, come out to their seats and sit ringside before they get thrown out. So that was cool. A good heat on Vicky Guerrero when she comes out with Dolph and Swagger. Mark Henry's entrance is always an awesome atmosphere with the 3-6 Mafia song. Uh, the crowd was hot for Orton beating down Henry after the match. Uh, I always am a Mark for Del Rio's entrance with the horns of the car and all that is great. And then the crowd was super into the main event and the post-match. So good atmosphere for that, too.
0: And as far as minuses, we have uh, the weird lighting for the Sin Cara match. Um, man, I don't remember how long this lasts, but I hope it's not, it's not Correct. for much longer. Uh, it's that weird, like orange, hue, and yeah, I just, it makes it very hard to see and pay attention. Um, the crowd, the crowd is very quiet, uh, for this in stunt show as well. Uh, and then also the crowd is dead for these, uh, women's match.
1: So that brings us to a four for atmosphere. So going to help the show quite a bit. Uh, With that, just the vibe in the arena was pretty cool. It was a New Orleans crowd, of course, so you're going to get something good. All right. Notable moments and importance. We get uh, Miz and, and Truth buying the tickets and Ace throwing them out. Of course, that'll set up what's to come. Henry surviving an RKO and winning clean was a big moment. Cody bringing back the classic IC title, which we both loved. We actually give that a a plus two because it's such a cool moment and bringing back the classic belt that everyone just uh, is beloved. Beth finally winning the women's title. So that's a point there. The uh, attitude adjustment on Ricardo on the floor was a nasty bump for him. So we get a point (laughs) for that. Uh, Alberto Dorillo becoming the world champion or WWE champion gets a point. And then the uh, really cool attack by Awesome Truth in the cage which is a very memorable moment and sets up a pretty big fall for the two of them.
0: Yeah. And four minuses for the show. Uh, we got the in cars coming up short in their match. Uh, just felt like almost like they choke a bit, like the, the, the stage might've been too big or something. Uh, Ziggler and Swagger, which should be a pretty natural pairing uh, mm-hmm. with Vicky. They feel lost already, especially with like no real build going into their uh, tag team title match. We've got Orton taking uh, Henry's heat, which We talked about Mark Henry being red hot, um, but Orton like takes his best stuff and he just runs away. Uh, We have the intercontinental title match being overwhelmed by commentary. Uh, (laughs) Natty's torture porn commentary as Kelly screams. uh, If you don't remember what we're talking about, I would almost say like go back and and watch the match because this one is forgotten for good reasons in the annals of history. Um, All time. Bad segment in a match. Right.
1: Basically, it's Beth just torturing Kelly in the ring. She's screaming, and Natty's like getting off to it on commentary. It's it's a it's a mess. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, we mentioned it earlier, but waiting uh, one show too late for the Beth Phoenix title win, and Punk loses yet again.
1: Right. So we followed up the big hot red hot Summer Punk with him getting uh, beat right after his big win at SummerSlam losing again at Knight of champions triple h and then uh losing here uh in this match so we're now three consecutive losses for punk since he beat cena twice so That'll
0: no bueno now.
1: no bueno so we give a point for that total uh all right match grades all netted out to 1.5 Card structure, we liked the good long opener, and we liked the through line of Awesome Truth throughout the show, which gave a good chaotic feel. And we didn't have any minuses, really, for card structure on this one.
0: Yeah, no minuses. I think uh, given the matches of the evening, everything was lined out uh, and laid out really well as far as card structure.
1: And rewatchability, we give a point for Christian Sheamus, which was a really, really good match. Uh, You know, this is a tricky category for us because it, it very easily could just mirror like, match grades and all-time matches. So I think for me, anyway, I try and, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, Orton Henry could also be here, I guess. But this just felt like a cool little hidden gem that's worth a rewatch if you haven't seen it type of thing more than, like, a um, oh, it's just a great match. Let's rewatch it. Know, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think this category as um, the moment of, like, Rick Martel lifting up his glasses to, like, wink at Sherry Right. Like Sherry winks back, and he's like, huh, okay, like that, huh, is what I'm looking for with rewatchability, like a match where I went, huh, all right, that was really good. Um, And not that, like, you know, Orton and, and Henry wasn't really good, but, like, Christian Sheamus, like, I would definitely put on the show again just to watch that.
1: No, me too. Me too, for sure. And, yeah, I, I think this is one category that's probably going to have some interesting hits and tweaks as we go
0: yeah Um,
1: all right no all-time matches on either side nothing cracked the double four and a half or the minus um three quarters so that gives us a total net out of 11.5 so pretty strong actually and it puts us at one two three fourth place right now
0: wow um i think it definitely benefits even though the uh, Beth Kelly match started to dip a bit, um, no all-time bad. And definitely wasn't like two matches. And even though there was three matches that could have went out and stole the show and really could have you know, had the ingredients to crack three, um, none of them really went that low. I mean, the Sinkaras went two, mm-hmm. um, but nothing really dip- dipped into the, the ones or anything like that. So um, crazy to think like the show could have finished even higher um, if one or two of those matches really delivered.
1: Yeah, I think that puts a bow on kind of what we had talked about earlier was that the those matches not stepping up would prevent this card from taking like the next step to maybe, you know, move up. Like it could have easily been probably had a capital punishment with a couple better matches. Yeah, I, I think what equally hurt and helped this show was that there just wasn't a lot. Like, like we didn't have a ton. Like you look at some of these shows and we have a lot of pluses and minuses and there just wasn't as many here because it was just kind of a, just kind of a show. And what really helped it was that atmosphere, the New Orleans crowd. Um, and some of those things we really enjoyed and picked up on helped this, uh, go up because without that, it's a very close to replacement level show. Like it's a bunch of ones and twos, uh, across the board. So that, that atmosphere really ended up helping things out.
0: Yeah. Um, you mentioned the, the slim card, seven matches, um, New Orleans crowd came through. Um, so overall, I think a better score than I would have imagined for the show. Well,
1: especially when I've of champions, which we were kind of shaky on. I mean, that finished with a negative three, Ooh, uh, yeah. which was which was quite low. So this is a pretty good bounce back for them in a what's no, you know, usually a tough time period, show wise in the fall. So pretty good with not a lot of time to build. Um, again, I, I just say I, I think that atmosphere really went a long way for the show. Without a doubt. All right. Before we do our second show, real quick, North-South Connection Podcast Network has tons of content coming at you almost each and every day. A lot of it across the world of wrestling. A lot of it is very evergreen-type content like this, where you can, even if you're going to put it aside for a couple weeks and come back and catch up, we'll be here for you. It, it looks at deep dives, different kind of you know, nerd level stuff that we really go in and look at the minutia, kind of the forgotten moments. Whether it's ruthless aggressive podcasts, looking at the you know ruthless aggressive era of WWE, extreme throwaway dance, going through the history of ECW, and then we have a couple shows on hiatus that should hopefully maybe be leaking back into our world in 2022. TNA never dies. Wrestling Warzone, just covering all sorts of different periods. We have modern day AEW, modern day WWE covered as well on various podcasts. We do some sports do a little pop culture and uh, get some other stuff in the works as well. Marcus, uh, you know, one of my new shows I've been doing behind the connection is where I kind of just do a sit down with various friends and acquaintances. We throw on some wrestling and just kind of shoot the breeze for an hour or so hobnob as some may say for a little bit and just kind of open things up. And uh, we have some cool new ideas coming in the new year as well. On the top of that shows like no holes barred. Now I'm entering the Royal Rumble, just tons of cool stuff that I'm super proud of. And as we wrap up, 2021 i've been very uh pleased to continue to really hit the mark with a lot of these shows and uh the content generated the dedication that everyone brings uh the consistency that everyone brings is is really greatly appreciated uh and we look forward to our third calendar year here at the north south in 2022 anything you want to talk about
0: Uh, Yeah, over on the soon to be named network, I do a podcast with my best friend, Tim Taylor. Uh, It is called Final Wrestling Place, where we put the nouns professional wrestling into the good place or the bad place based on an arbitrary system of red points and green points. Um, And also, viewer's choice right here on the North South Connection. Uh, My wrestling schedule permitted uh, after every WWE, NXT for now, and uh, AEW pay per view. uh, Myself and Tim will tell you uh, what to watch and what to skip. And uh, as a side note, I'm really looking forward to uh, the next year for NOSO. We have a lot of things returning. We've got a lot of shows continuing into the next year. I'm looking forward to following those projects and um, looking forward to the new ones as well. See see what the new year brings.
1: Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. I believe this may be... uh one of the last shows to air this year i think on the feed this episode of war so exciting stuff <laughs> new year's new year's eve this is dropping as you listen to it so probably you listen to it in 2022 i guess but
0: anywhere's evil
1: i die. i digress <laughs> all right why don't we head off to our next show and that is vengeance 2011 <laughs> Shifts to later in the year here in 2011, October 23rd, from San Antonio, Texas, the AT&T Center, just weeks after Hell in a Cell. So this is when they're really compressing some shows here. Uh, do you want to take us through the card?
0: Uh, absolutely. Uh, let me look up our dark matches. I don't have that handy. There we go. I'm a f- professional. Our dark match, we have oh return match from SummerSlam as Wade Barrett defeats Daniel Bryan uh, in five minutes.
1: Brian, the king of the pre-show, all of a sudden.
0: Laying low. Uh, To start off the show, we have Air Boom defending the tag team titles against Dolph Ziggler and Jack Swagger. Uh, I like this a lot more than the the previous month. I went three and a quarter.
1: Yeah, I gave it a three. I agree. It was definitely a a step up from the month before, which felt like uh, just kind of going through the motions and not as in tune. This was set up to be a very big night for Ziggler, so you could tell he had his working boots on to really show off. And it just felt like I had more energy here in the opening slot than last month where it was kind of a few matches in. It felt like everyone's kind of waiting for me, the bigger stuff to start popping up here. It feels like they're out there to get the crowd revved up and they do a much better job of doing so.
0: Yeah, can't agree more. Um, speaking of Ziggler, as he continues his night, he's pulling double duty as he is going to face uh, Zack Ryder and defend the WWE United States title. Uh, I like this match. I went two and a half.
1: I was a little disappointed in this. I went to, and again, you know, we keep talking about Ziggler and how great he is during the stretch. So this one felt like a little disappointing to me, especially when you think back to what this feud was, or I guess maybe what's to come. It definitely felt like a little, I, I was disappointed. I was expecting more. This is a big chance for Ryder, something like he hasn't had a lot of here yet at this point. So it felt like, here's your chance. You've been on social media, building this gimmick, run, run your mouth a little bit. We're giving you a big match. And it felt like it just didn't really click. Uh, you know, part of that maybe was Ziggler going double duty. Maybe he was a little gas, but he's got the cardio. I think he's probably okay. Um, it just felt like it felt like a very early appetizer and what could be a pretty good feud, or at least eventually built to a big moment of Zach, maybe cashing in and winning the belt. And I'm, I'm fine with them not doing that here because I think it should be more built than just like the second match in this back to back. I think it should be a little more earned as a moment. So I was fine with him not winning, uh, but they only go six minutes. So it just, it, to me, just never really got going.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a little bit of story here um, with like Ziggler and Swagger where they can't get the job done as a tag team. But Ziggler right. by himself kind of looks like, you know, a bit of a world beater, like mm-hmm. like the best wrestler on the roster. Yeah. Um, they only go six minutes, uh, that being Ziggler and Ryder. So, yeah, it feels like there's a lot more in the tank. I know there's going to be, but I um, kind of can't believe like, we have to wait as long as we do to get to that point. Like, mm-hmm. It feels ready to, ready to burst a lot sooner. I agree. Yep. Uh, <laughs> our next match for the Divas Championship, uh, Beth Phoenix is going to successfully retain the title as she defeats Eve Torres. I went two and a quarter
1: same uh so this feels like a bit of a bump from last last month with kelly out of the picture uh kelly and natty were banned from inside here and right. Beth pins eve clean which i actually caught me off guard a little bit because it felt like maybe we're going to kind of start a feud with eve being the number one contender challenger now going forward and usually as we've talked about they've done kind of multiple um month feuds with this stuff so it was a little surprising for beth to win clean i was fine with it uh but it was definitely a a pretty good bump to see eve in there over kelly at this point and mix things up because i was afraid we were gonna get like another kelly beth match
0: yeah a welcome change and eve has also kind of been like bubbling during this time so it's mm-hmm. nice to see her get rotated into the title picture agreed uh our next match is sheamus versus christian a tick below uh the previous show i went three yeah
1: three as well here it definitely did feel like a. Uh, like i feel like the first one caught us off guard we had no expectation and it popped and then this one felt like we had high expectations coming in it ended up like under delivering just a bit like it is it didn't build on the previous match as much as i would have hoped uh but maybe that night was just kind of magic with these two but Seamus uh, sheamus wins again clean so like we talked about he's clearly on the come up christian puts him over two straight shows uh does a nice job of setting sheamus up for uh, more of a push So, again, yeah, this worked well nestled in the middle of the card here.
0: Yeah, if I'm remembering this match correctly, they have... This match is almost like a little bit of a lull. Like, it's very Mm -hmm. kind of paint-by-numbers until that finishing stretch. And they have, like, an elongated finishing stretch with, like, a lot of reversals and finisher teases and stuff like that. So, like, when the finish does happen, it gets a pretty good reaction. Um, But our next match, we have a big-time tag-team matchup as CM Punk and Triple H are going to team up to defeat or excuse me uh be defeated by the Miz and (sighs) r-truth
1: uh another loss for punk marcus we talked about it. what's this now four straight pay-per-view losses (sighs) yeah and it says who wants to see him see him with triple h i mean i went two and three quarters like it's fine it's better than when punk lost to triple h uh but you get kevin nash interferes here and attacks triple h and then, of course, he doesn't get pinned, though. He gets attacked <laughs> by Nash, and Punk gets pinned clean uh, by a double team. So, God, this feels so depressing. And, you know, thankfully, we know what's coming. Like, that Punk is going to come back up. But for now, like, in the moment, it must—it was, like, really defeated feeling to see Punk having gotten what he got, the way everything went down. And now he's lost four straight matches at pay-per-view, he's you know playing the jobber role to the you know when when they'd have the old uh, orient express versus ronnie garvin and dale wolf team (laughs) kind of get the name and then the bum. that's how they're treating him right now he's basically triple h's like he went from being triple h's main antagonist and making fun of him to being like triple h's bitch boy and like this isn't just things that people say to shit on triple h right like there's a some of that is invalid over time. This is not one of them. Like he oh, has yep. put Punk in the shine box through this whole run, and it, he siphoned his heat and completely stuck him in his pocket so he could build his feud with Nash. It's, it's how it went. Like he cost him the title. Nash cost Punk the title of SummerSlam to help set up his issues, you know, with Triple H. Triple H beats him at at Night of Champions. Then Punk is the Fall Boy in Hell in a Cell and then here we are again a vengeance and he's taking the fall so triple h doesn't get pinned
0: yeah and to me like maybe this is uh you know better suited for uh like pete or uh, pete to tweet or uh chad to comment on or anybody else super informative on um like crockett but to me like this is what would have happened if like dusty Rhodes and magnum ta would have stuck around as a team like right. just the, the kind of like abuse of power like why are we beating Punk? Do we think he, like we're gonna tear him down to make him hotter than he was in the summer? Like that's impossible. Like you can't right. catch that in a bottle again. Like that's just something that organically happened. Um, and here we are, just absolutely killing our own creation. Uh, just because it's not Triple H or, or whoever else we want to see in that super top position. Um, I went two and a half on the match and at least two two of that is dedicated to Kevin Nash.
1: Yeah, it definitely feels like punk was so hot. They're trying to use it to also heat up Nash and Hunter and just as weird. I mean, again, like I don't want to go so far as to say they're burying punk because he's still in, like he's still in the title picture, you know?
0: Right. Like still the two the truths mix. can exist though. Yes. Like
1: completely misused.
0: Yeah. They, like maybe that's a, that's a better uh, summary of what's going on. Like he's featured well. He's presented well, but like the actual use of him is awful. Like he should be beating people left and right. But anyways, uh, more on that in future episodes as the season continues. Next up we've got Randy Orton defeating Cody Rhodes. Uh, this is a non-title match for the Intercontinental or non-title match involving our Intercontinental champion. Uh, I like this match. I went to 3 stars.
1: Yeah, uh, I win three as well. Orton, of course, has been on a red hot run and he carries that in here, which was good. Um, you know, as he dips back down the card just a little bit, kind of like Christian did, um, after his Henry, you know, Christian feud and Henry feud. This is a much better match for Cody than than last month. So it was a good spot for him to be in. And uh, you know, Orton wins a match.
0: Yeah, and I non title. Like- Non-title, and I like um, I like how we always thought it was going to be Orton and DiBiase spinning out from Legacy, um, and those are going to be like the two the two like butting heads mm-hmm. for the next decade or whatever. And instead, here we've got Cody in the position. Uh, and Cody has been the one to really take the step up, uh, and it feels like Cody's closing the gap a bit on Orton. Um, thinking just thinking back to like what we get to cover uh, around WrestleMania 26 and. The big gap between him and uh, Orton at that time. And later on, like the gap's closing a bit. Like he's still got a ways to go, Um, but he's much closer to being a rival to Orton than before. Um, Our world heavyweight title for the title match of the evening is The Big Show versus Mark Henry. And this one is going to go to a no contest as we have the super duper big time ring explosion off the superplex. Uh, I went 2.75.
1: I went two and a half, and yeah, that's really the spot of the match, the most memorable part of the match, uh, where we, and one we hadn't seen in a long time, like, I, you know, I always remember the Brock and Big Show one, but have they, have they done it again since then? Like, I don't remember one that really jumps out of my mind, uh, that pause, so this was, it didn't feel like it was coming, so it was cool, like, it really wasn't a yeah. nice shock, and it's always fun to see where the ring goes down, collapses, the ref falls out of the ring, like, all that stuff is always really cool. Um, and I was fine with this not having a finish so you could set up the next month uh, without show having to beat Henry or without doing multiple times where the champion beats the challenger. So I thought it was a cool way to do it. That feels like it's okay. This is realistic in some way. Um, and it also sits up show to get another shot because the ring malfunctioned and he shouldn't be screwed out of a title match because of it. Uh, it does end Henry's hot streak though, to me like his matches with Orton and um, you know, were just way better so far. So, you know, and even the match with Sheamus and SummerSlam I liked better than this. So I feel like he's, you know, sliding a little bit, but I'd pin that more on show than him.
0: Yeah. And they're kind of putting him like through the same ringer that Orton went through where Orton went through like a wrestler's wrestler. Now, Henry's a champion and he had to go through the wrestler's wrestler and Orton. And now he's facing his own monster in the big show. And it's like, okay, he's immediately being tested. um, And like he hits a wall here. And they do justify it with this super huge spot. Like they waited eight years to, you know, bust that out again. So I thought that was like a perfect use of that. Um, But yeah, it it is starting to just trend a little bit downwards. Agreed. And in our main event of the evening, uh, in a last man standing match for the WWE Championship, Alberto Del Rio is going to successfully retain the title against John Cena. I went
1: 3.25. Yep, same. Again, pretty good match. Pretty much the same as the guys delivered. I was glad to see Del Rio retained. Uh, I, I didn't want to see, like, continuous um, hot potatoing here at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we've done it enough now with Punk Cena and Del Rio, where let's let Del Rio, you know, obviously you would think the end game is to get it back on Punk, you would assume. So let Del Rio build some heat and feel like he's got a bit of a rain going on. Instead of just continuously bouncing back and forth, back and forth. So I was glad Del Rio won this uh, and have Cena lay down. I think that worked out well. And again, yeah, it was a pretty good brawl. And you got Miz and Truth getting involved again, too. So they they play a role in the finish.
0: Yeah, we keep that story going. We're going to see where uh, that goes on. Um, But also, like, these guys have this last man standing match really all over ringside. But also a good bit is inside the malfunctioned ring, uh, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a a nice little touch to this matchup. Yes, So cool note there.
1: All right. So why don't we go ahead and get into our uh, grades here? I'm sorry. So that boil that down. So that gives a match score of two and a half. So replacement level overall, which is pretty good compared to some of these other shows Mm -hmm. um, when you, when you really net it all out. So pretty solid. So let's get into our categories. So for build for vengeance, The pluses were a big night for Dolph by having him come in with two belts or one belt and be in the title picture. And then uh, the women's feud, uh, which has been long running and you had the attack earlier. That was part of it. Show and Henry was well built coming into the show. And I I enjoyed Triple H, this part of it, like him crumbling under the weight of being COO and finally kind of snapping and, you know, having having it out for Awesome Truth and everything else like that piece has been okay. It's just really his interactions with Nash and Punk that have been overwhelmingly uh, suffocating. And then uh, the Hall of Pain, obviously, Henry Solo with the Hall of Pain has been awesome. And rhodes Orton has a lot of background to it, too, when you look at it all with the legacy, like you mentioned.
0: Yeah, um, in the minus category, we got CM Punk feeling, by this point, he's almost just another dude. Like, you do remember how hot he was a couple months ago, but... Mm um he's not being treated like that superstar anymore and a weaker build for the w title match between uh, del rio and cena
1: yep so that gives us a four which is a pretty good score for the build
0: yeah especially considering like the close proximity this show has compared to uh Mm -hmm. hell in a cell yep
1: all right commentary (laughs) a rare case here might be the first one ever we had nothing positive to say about the commentary on this show
0: yeah, nothing positive. That doesn't mean there wasn't anything good, but like that also means it's replacement level. Like, right. Nothing so it, brought it up. Right. Nothing brought it up. Um, as far as what brought it down, though, uh, we've got <laughs> we got the king back, um, which just that alone is such a step down from the previous uh, previous show's commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cole and Booker they continue their bickering and they get to it like right away. Um, Cole's taken another big dump all over Ryder's internet show. Uh, Z true Long Island story. Constant Twitter talk. Um, we can talk talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Cole takes another dump on JR who's not there the show. And no mention really that Cena and Dorio are working in the broken ring. You would think that's something that like they would point out and discuss, but they really don't give them any credit or really add to the fact that like any of that action is really going down in the ring.
1: Just a bad night. The the Twitter talk is, like, so fucking frustrating. And it, it, it's something that carries on throughout the rest of the season, really. They had just fallen completely in love with Twitter at this point uh, as it really started to break out. And, I mean, this is around when I signed up, too. I think it was in early 2011. So this is, like, kind of peak early adapter era Twitter. Not early, early adapter. I think it started in, what, like, 09, But yeah, um, 11 is really where it's starting to catch on as a thing. And they are just all in on it. Like, they talk about it all night they're flashing the tweets cole keeps referencing twitter who's tweeting what who's talking about what who's trending it's just like all over the fucking shows and it just gets so um aggravating and i get why they were so in on it but man it gets old fast and it's just like constant so to me that was like a big detriment to a lot of the show uh we're back to also like asshole cole this shitting on jr shitting on Ryder. like just doesn't get over anything when he's so negative about everything back to him and booker bickering king is back it just yeah it it just felt very disappointing
0: it's almost like is i can't blame like lawler coming back but like you insert lawler back in here and cole immediately like regresses Like he, right. i felt like he took a huge leap forward the previous show mm-hmm. with like the conspiracy stuff and the journalist stuff that we talked about and now it's just right back into that old form um just made for a really frustrating night. And yeah, their inability to make Twitter seem like a natural part of the show. Instead, it's like hitting you in the head with like a a big time like hammer, like one of those carnival hammers you win that's like inflatable or whatever. Like
1: oh that doy cat and
0: WrestleMania arcade <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like so... just instead
1: of being cool, they're trying to be cool.
0: Yeah, and like that's the thing about Twitter specifically. Like I felt it's kind of like um It's kind of like the cool kids table of social media, um, yeah, you know, definitely has its faults. But you know, compared to to Facebook, Instagram, and other platforms, like, you know, Twitter is like probably one of the cooler things that um, you know, WWE could associate with. And they just, they just make it like, not want to like they make me not want to go check it out. Like I want no part of that. Just with the way they're like presenting it and constantly talking about it.
1: They didn't understand it either at that point. Yeah. Could tell, it's too bad this season we won't get the tout tout stuff. That that'll be in 2012, I think. <laughs> so we we do the 12-13 season. We'll get we'll get all the tout greatness. Um, we'll buy
0: our own social media
1: um, atmosphere, which was a big part of our last show. We'll see if it carries over. Uh, the crowd is very into Air Boom coming out to start the show. Of course, Ryder was very over during this point as well. We get a big pop for the Broke Kick. Uh, they really loved that when he yeah. smashed Christian in the face, and then the buzz when the ring imploded imploded was really cool.
0: Yeah, some some big moments, and again, like the way that Christian and Sheamus really built uh, up to that finish, even though the match was a little bit bland, um, you know, it really popped, and and glad we documented that for a notable moment on the show. Um, for the minuses, we have a bland set, doesn't really stand out at all. Oh, the crowd, the crowd is not reacting at all to the uh, Awesome Truth rap entrance that we've seen some other uh, crowds do. Very quiet show overall. Uh, and then the audio seems off or, or just really that like the crowd is that low. Yeah, and
1: didn't have that same buzz that um, Hell on a Cell had.
0: No, and again, like for a WWE Championship main event match, the crowd like just kind of sits on their hands. They're, they're not really into it. And I know we had a discussion off air. Like, was this like one of those pay-per-views that was originally supposed to just be like a house show and then they turned it into a pay-per-view? Like, week or so late like beforehand like i have no memory of that but that's what this feels like is like they had originally bought tickets to a house show
1: yeah the the whole thing just felt weird it's just jammed in like i thought hell in a cell may be the one that felt jammed in but it's really this one um it felt to me like hell in a cell would have been a fine enough to last us as Survivor Series. like this just felt gratuitous nothing to me happened here that was like Okay, besides the ring imploding, I guess. I don't know. Like, like think if this show didn't exist, like, there wouldn't have been anything really missed. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, nothing really would have been affected long term by it. But
0: Yeah, like, I think in the short term, it's nice to get Del Rio a pay-per-view mm-hmm. title defense win. But uh, you don't need that long term. Like, you could have just went longer without this pay-per-view to where we're going to get later. But, yeah, a whole lot of nothing happening overall.
1: All right, notable moments. uh, Beth being booked dominantly finally after she won the title. Christian is being on fire, like delivering another great match here on pay per view. Kevin Nash back on the scene, uh, back involved in the programming, whether you care for it or not. It's a big deal having him back. Huge win for Awesome Truth defeating Punk and Triple H. Cody having a big night against Randy Orton, the ring implosion. Gave a point for Awesome Truth helping ADR. So them being involved in the world title picture and the main event. And then the strong face push for Sheamus as he works his way up the ladder.
0: Yeah, for the minuses, we got Air Boom. Uh, They have that new theme. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: overall, it's a downgrade compared to like the, like separate entrances they would make and then hit the ring together. Uh, Ryder is losing. Uh, Again, kind of the trend of like, oh take somebody that's hot and make them lose in the hopes of making them hotter uh again a twitter takeover and punk losing again same mm-hmm. case with Ryder.
1: so that's a four so that could be the big one uh to help offset that negative six <laughs> from the commentary Oof, yeah. that's, that, is that our biggest negative to date it's probably up there right
0: i think so yeah
1: i think we've had big positives but not not that big of a negative so it'd be tough to overcome uh match grades we gave it two and a half like we said it boiled out to replacement level Card structure, uh, I thought it was good. We thought it was a good way to start with the Ziggler double dip, the two big matches for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryder being second made it feel like maybe he had a chance. So I thought that was pretty good card structure too with, uh, you know, maybe do the double doff loss and feel like Ryder may cash in on him being winded. Uh, the build to the big match stack at the end. So this was uh, not something they usually do in WWE, but they did it here where they kind of had the undercard early and then really built to the big matches at the end. And then the ring breaking in the middle of the shell, made it feel more like an accident than planned by not having it in the main event. Because normally they might have done this in the um, in the main event and, mm-hmm. you know, it would feel forced, like, oh, why are they main eventing? And then, oh, okay, they wanted the ring to break. But by doing it where they did it, it felt more like, oh, shit, was that supposed to happen? They still have a world title match to come. So that, that being booked there was actually pretty shrewd.
0: Exactly, yeah. And um, only mine is really kind of like, Takes away from that because like on the opposite end of the coin, you do still have one more match to go and it's like your biggest match of the night. Uh, So for a minus, we have making the main event happen in the broken ring kind of took away from what they probably could have done. They they probably could have gone and another quarter or half star higher with that last man standing match. But, um, you know, the broken ring giveth and the broken ring taketh away.
1: All right. So that's a three for car structure. And rewatchability, uh, we gave a point for the ring break, which is a cool, really cool moment. And then we gave a point for Dolph's double duty. Like, you know, he he opened the card. He started hot by bringing us two title matches. He works almost 20 minutes across those two matches um, and carries the load really in the tag match for the heels as well. So it was a cool, cool to see him to kind of be maybe like a poor man's Bret Hart here in 11-12 with getting the double duty work.
0: Yeah, like this is in that pocket where Dolph is one of the better, if not the best, like worker they have. And um he like fills in the gaps. Like you need a tag team. Okay. So you put him with Swagger, but you also like put him with Swagger because earlier on, like you had Swagger be your your world heavyweight champion. Um, you know, we didn't cover that this season. Um but like that happened the season before. And mm-hmm. um, you know, you're trying to heat Swagger back up. And you also need the US title to like be hot. So like you're having to put on matches there. So um, it's, a, it's a big night for Dolph and I guess we'll continue to see what other nights he pulls double duty, but, um, it's almost like out of necessity because he is that good.
1: All right. So that's a two for rewatch abilities. We didn't have any zeros there or any, any minuses there. All time matches was a zero. We didn't have anything that topped four and a quarter combined, and we didn't have anything that double dipped on a, uh, 0.75 or below. So that gives us Marcus a total of 9.5. So. You know, given what the show was, like, still pretty good to finish where it finished, and it actually finishes right before Hell in a Cell, or right below Hell in a Cell, and then right above SummerSlam 94. Were you surprised by this, grade?
0: I am surprised that it does finish a little bit ahead of SummerSlam 1994, um, but, like, that could just be, like, the generational, like, evolution of match grades. Like, and
1: more happens, too.
0: And, yeah, you got, like, a little bit more happening, so um that was that was pretty kind to the show which would summer
1: 794 was a short card too like yeah there's only a couple big matches on there some of the other stuff going on is not a ton so it probably feels okay-ish you know we've talked about before like maybe at the end going back to 94 95 once we've evolved our scoring a little bit and see if we were fair enough to it is the guinea pig year but um again this one surprised me i guess you know i would have thought maybe this one would have finished lower but some of these are just being buoyed by one big category. Like this had a really big showing for uh, notable moments. You know, it had the bad commentary, but everything else really kind of popped. Like nothing else was around that zero, one range. Everything was kind of twos and threes and fours. So that negative six was offset. So the commentary didn't drag it as much as it could have. But you do wonder if the commentary was even just replacement level, could it have been like, this has been one of our really our better shows. Take that six away. And you're looking at like 15 and that would have yeah. put it, top
0: three wow yeah um especially considering like this is uh you know what feels like a thrown together pay-per-view like Mm -hmm. you know just weeks two weeks after i think hell in a cell so um really impressive outing for vengeance 2011
1: surprising indeed so we will continue our trek through this season and actually finish the calendar year 2011 on our next episode Marcus, we're going to do Survivor Series 11 and TLC 11. So we'll wrap up the calendar year, and that'll be putting us on the doorstep of ending the season soon in our awards. So that'll be fun to get into, as always. So hope you had a good time. Hope everyone enjoyed listening. Uh, Be sure to continue to do so and provide us some feedback. Uh, We've gotten some really good feedback on the show. We always love to hear more. Anything we should be tweaking in the formula that we're not thinking of, anything we should be considering that we overlook. And uh, like we said, these two shows end up in the top five after Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, Capital Punishment, and then goes Hell in Self-Vengeance. So a uh, pretty good showing tonight for our two shows.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. And I'm looking forward to our next set of shows uh, as we do cover Survivor Series and TLC uh, and wrap up the uh, 2011 portion of the season. Especially TLC because I have like very little recall uh, of that event before I went back and watched it. And I think Survivor Series might surprise a lot of people
1: sure looking forward to talking about it so remember to continue to live your life above replacement level we'll talk to you in two weeks time everyone have a great end of your holiday season have a happy healthy and safe new year and we'll talk to you in 2022 goodbye